0: There's the windup And a hit. Going off the right field. It's out of the park and gone.
1: Hello, everyone. We're back for the Dirty Dizzy Podcast. My name is Zach Anderson, joined by my co-hosts, Tyler Priscina and Aaron Parker, guys. We're back for another episode. We took a week off because of me. And now we're back. So uh, before we start, let's get into the jersey you guys are wearing. That's a beautiful Blue Jays jersey, Aaron.
2: Thank you. I am repping Alec Manoa, um, the baby blue version of Alec Manoa, um, the WVU boy. Um, He just uh diced up Tyler's New York Yankees the other day. <laughs> um so I'm paying a little homage to him with the baby blue.
0: Well that that jersey's really nice. I mean the the blue jay patch in the front weighs like five pounds. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes. quadruple yeah quadruple stitch and whatnot. It's uh, authentic jersey, awesome.
2: right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a pretty That's penny. Awesome. But it's very high quality. It is.
0: Um well we all went to the Pirates game yesterday and I've been wanting a um the uh they're black with the big Pittsburgh P on it and I got him a mccutcheon So um I'm I'm liking it a lot. It's one of my favorites now.
1: And myself, I just came out of an interview here with <laughs> U92, so I'm wearing a polo and khaki, right. so I'm a little out of the trend here. But, you know, there's, there's outside of myself, there's a lot of baseball to yeah. talk about today. And, you know, first off, we're going to get into some WVU baseball because they've been on fire recently, of course. And, you know, I want to talk about just this, this to a little intro. I wanted to throw out some fun facts for you guys before we dive into the season. You know, um, West Virginia, this is their fastest path to 30 wins since 2008. Um not even the regional team got to 30 wins faster than this team did. Um, and they're ranked number 18 nationally, uh, according to D1 Baseball. And D1 Baseball also has them as a number 15 overall national seed, hosting a regional here in Morgantown, West Virginia. So it's really cool w- to see that, West Virginia. When was the last time we hosted a
2: regional? 2019. 2019. With Alec Manoa. Okay. Yeah. Um, I believe Austin Davis was on that team as a – Fresh young buck, maybe a sophomore, freshman yeah. or sophomore. Yeah, I'm not Believe sure. Kevin Brophy, New Jersey. Kevin Brophy, New mm-hmm. Jersey native. <laughs> Kevin Brophy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 2019,
0: and then I I know it didn't end too well, but um, I d- I did forget the date, but yeah, wasn't too long ago.
1: What was yeah. the date for what?
0: The the last region. All oh, the last region. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. that
1: I w- didn't watch WV baseball back then. <laughs> I, I know Aaron watched it. Right?
2: Were you yeah, there? I was no, I was not oh, there, okay. and I didn't pay any attention to college baseball at the time but once we hosted a regional like how could you not tune into that so i think i watched maybe the game that they played fordham or duke and then i i tuned in um when they blew that like seven nothing lead to texas a&m and lost on a walk-off grand slam yeah we we
1: were all at the game on tuesday the penn state win we'll get into that game of course but um you know (laughs) we were talking about that game how uh Fordham was the highest attendance West
2: Virginia at Montgomery County Ballpark has had ever, right? Yeah, and that was the opening game of that yeah. um, region. I don't know if it was the opening game, but it was the opening game for WVU. Um, so yeah, that place was packed out.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about this WVU team. You know, I, I'm gonna throw out this question first because I want to hear both you guys' opinions. You know, um, just on a general level, not really a lot of analysis here. Uh, do you think WVU can host a regional this year?
2: I'm gonna go with yes. I mean, let's talk about this team. They have 30 wins already. They are 30 and 11, and that 2019 team um, that we were talking about that hosted, they finished with 38 wins on the season. Um, it's not going to be hard. Or it's not going to be easy, rather, um, but it, it is very attainable. Um, it's very possible if they keep playing the way they've played. I mean, Kansas State is right among the top of the Big 12. They went to Manhattan and beat them. Um, Oklahoma State was ranked going into that series. The Mountaineers went down to Stillwater and beat them. That was a huge um, series for WVU. Yeah, yeah TCU was the projected number one overall um, Big 12 team, and they just swept them. So if they keep up, p- keep picking up big series wins against top teams, like they they still have, um, they still have Texas Tech and Texas. So as long as they don't go out there and get killed by those teams, I think it's very attainable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I d- I'm not going to disagree here. It's it's baseball. It's a long season, you know. I I highly doubt it, but you know they could go into like a huge slump, and uh, you never slump, know. and yeah, you never know. But for now, they're in very very good standing, and um, I, I think upcoming they're playing Baylor, right?
2: Yeah, Baylor in yeah. Waco, and for um, a weekend series. I mean,
0: you, as you, uh, they're such a good team, you have to go in Waco and um, win the series. I'm not saying a sweep, but you got to win that series because Baylor is not very
2: good. Um, but yeah, the yeah. bottom half of the Big yeah, Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. they are at the bottom of the Big mm-hmm. Twelve. At by the I bottom believe. of the Big Twelve, yeah. but they're not ba- like they just beat they just beat Texas Tech in a series on on the road in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, they have another series win, I believe, against the Oklahoma Sooners. They're not terrible, but they do have a losing record, and I believe they're still at the bottom of the Big Twelve. So you need two out of three here.
0: hmm But yeah,
2: I agree. The, the, they can definitely.
0: Yeah, and you know,
1: wisdom. to you guys' point, I want to talk about this Penn State game on Tuesday because we were all there. We got to see it in person. And Penn State's an out-of-conference rival, and I think um, when you're looking at the Big 12, of course the Big 12, like in every sport, is tough. And, I'll, and we're going to go in a little bit of backwards order because I'm going to talk about the TCU series. Well, I don't want st- to skip over that. But first on Tuesday, I want to talk about the heck of the game the Mountaineer offense had. I mean, Weatherholt, uh, <laughs> uh, let me pull that up. Real quick. Um, yeah, there was two grand slams from uh, J.J. Weatherholt and Grand Hussey, and 14-2 to win. I mean, that's the best thing you can expect from non-conference play. So uh, now the Mountaineers, five-game winning streak. Excuse me. And, you know, Weatherholt is back, and I think that's something that we should definitely touch on because him being back, the Mountaineers went, like, I think it was 5-1 or 4-1 without him even being in the lineup, which is insane to think about with how well he's been. But, you know, I want to get your guys' opinion on that game Tuesday because I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the Mountaineer offense play that well, even against Penn State. I, I think the, the next best time was against TCU on Sunday. Well,
0: before I actually like go and talk about how they played and whatnot, I just it was a a Tuesday, you know, early week game, and I think if you went to that game like two years ago, maybe three years ago, you would have not seen a crowd like that, and that just kind of proved that baseball and you know West Virginia baseball is back, and people are loving it, people are buying into it, and um, but like you said, the offense there was like two grand slams. Hussey hit one. JJ Weatherhole hit one, which I don't know how that made it out because JJ's, <laughs> because that was a liner. Yeah. And he probably hit that like 200 miles an hour. Right just in the right the field. field. Yeah. I mean, but that was hands down the most fun I've had at a W baseball game on Tuesday. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah.
2: That was an unbelievable atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You got to give, you got to tip your cap to the Mountaineer faithful. I mean, Tuesday night, like 50 degrees, school night, and that place was packed out. Um, they were letting Penn State have it. Um, just something great to see for a midweek game. Um, and, like, this, this team runs the mazy Ball type of offense. They're very aggressive on the base path. They steal bases. But, like, let's, let's talk about their bats. I mean, they are always hitting the balls on the screws, and they did that without Weatherholt for five or six games, which I did not think would be even possible. But guys like Ellis Garcia stepped up. Get had a big
1: home run on Saturday.
2: Yeah, guys like Orlando Wallace stepped up, Caleb Caleb McNeely as well, um, and Tevin Tucker. I mean, Tevin Tucker got kind of thrown back into that leadoff spot, um, and he's been great ever since. Um, I believe he's hitting 370 on the year, 15 hits in his last seven games. Um, He's a grad senior, um, and, you know, he knows his role. So, um, if he's batting second or first or even ninth, um, he's done that before.
0: And he just, was it this past week he won the Big 12? Baseball yeah. player of the
1: week, right? Yeah, right. Kevin Tucker won last yeah. week's Big Twelve player of the week, mm-hmm. and throughout that stretch, he was uh, batting five seventy one, two RBIs, yeah. sixteen hits in the last six games before Tuesday. He mm-hmm. actually went zero for three on Tuesday against Penn State, but I mean, he got pinch hit in the eighth. Right, but I mean, he's b- been such a on such a tear, and I think a lot of it can be accredited to that leadoff switch. I think
2: right, he's been huge, and I think I think it was um, it was good to see on on Tuesday. I know Weatherholt was back in that DH role. And he's, he's probably the best leadoff hitter in the nation. Um, but Tucker has been thrown in that role, and he's been great. So I think he deserved to keep that role for a little bit longer. And if he gets into some struggles, you know, you can you can put him back at two or, or wherever you want to put him. Um, but I think it was good that he stayed in that leadoff role. We've seen J.J. hit second. He did that most of his freshman year. Um, it doesn't matter where he's at in the order, in the order. He just hits um he, like I've said before he's just always hitting the ball on the screws yeah. um I was up in the booth on Sunday Sunday's game against TCU and it was just such a shock that he came out of the dugout emerged with a helmet and bat <laughs> and that crowd went nuts it was like 45 degrees um they were just ready to see something and um you know TCU was starting to come back a little bit um and WV just needed to break it up and then you know he went up there hacking um, first pitch was a foul ball and then the second pitch he just he roped down the line for a bases clearing double that place went nuts
1: yeah that was a heck of a rip by jj and you know uh talking about him hitting so well you know i want to go specifically to the penn state grand slam on tuesday you know uh tevin tucker was ahead of him of course at the leadoff spot and he got that walk to load the bases and i feel like a lot of the fans were like oh we know jj's up like you you got you to gotta consider walking him here. I mean, it was, it was at that point, well it was score 0-0 zero zero still at that point. Yeah. Bases loaded, and you got J.J. Weatherholt, one of the best batters in the country. You might even say the best batter in the country. Definitely the best batter in the Big 12. 100%.
2: And uh, mm-hmm. he's coming
1: up to bat. Bases loaded. I think it was no outs as well. So you know he's going to be ripping the ball. Mm-hmm. And that was just I, – I just want your guys' opinion on that grand slam. I mean, that was just electric for the crowd. I, to, your, to your points about the crowd – that was awesome to see the students. Got to give a shout-out to the students, them mm-hmm. showing up so well in that game. And, you know, it was awesome to see J.J. hit that grand slam.
0: Well, it, it's just comforting knowing that, like, when you have that situation with bases loaded, you have someone on your team that you most likely know can actually drive in all those runs, which is insane to think about. You know, he's not going to – when you see him up at a plate, you're not going to be like, oh, well, here's, you know – any, any double play or here's a fly out, you know. But, no, he has full well capability of hitting a grand slam, and he did that. Uh, anytime and he at the bat, really. Yeah, I no, mean, it was. And, and I'm pretty sure it happened twice. He had that situation twice, and I think he it was like a sack fly, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, he had a sack
2: yeah, fly he, he on still the second h- time yeah, he came up in that he, same I position. I mean, he
0: still hit it high and far. I mean, it still drove in a run, but um, he's just an amazing run producer.
2: Yeah, he's such an offensive threat. He's always hitting the ball on the screws. Um, He can pull the ball. He can hit it to center field. He can hit it um, on the opposite side of the field. Um, And to see that home run was just electric. Uh, Again, for that one, I was up in the booth for U92. Um, What I was actually doing, I was taking photos for my photography account, um, but I got a little hungry, uh, (laughs) took a food break. And while I was up there, JJ was up, and I was like, oh, I might want to be down there. And then he immediately laced one (laughs) over the wall. Um, But that was a great moment. Um, that, that crowd went nuts. Um, you know, he's just such a threat when he comes up to the plate. Um, and I know he has another year left before he can declare for the draft, but there's this early, um, 2024 draft projection that somebody sent me. It's called FSS plus. Um, and that's what they do. They, they take analysis and, and, you know, they follow college baseball. It's not D1 college baseball or NCAA, but they, that's what they follow. And they have Weatherholt projected sixth in the t- 2024 sixth overall MLB wow. draft yes um five of those top six are college guys and one's out of high school so this is subject to change obviously but could you imagine you know if he doesn't get hurt and he just has a season anywhere near this in his junior season I mean you're looking at a definite first rounder oh yeah well really- I,
0: I think my now it's a little bit off off topic but I my my biggest concern is like is he even going to be playing with us next year because he's playing at such a high level, and um, I mean, there's no way that there's not going to be, you know, all these SEC schools, you know, knocking on the door saying, "Hey, come play for us." You
1: know what I mean? I mean we've seen it in college athletics. Yeah. SEC teams are going to come knocking on the door, or whatever, whatever teams are dominant in whatever sport it may be, they're going to come knocking on the door, and that's always a thing,
2: so right? I, yeah, I, you make a good point, Tyler, but I would. I would say he's going to stay. He's from Mars, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, which is right up the road from Morgantown. It's, it's, it's somewhat near Pittsburgh. Um, you know, so he's not, he's not from that Southeastern area. Um, and I really like the work of Ren Baker so far. I mean, look <laughs> at, look at the the guys that hugs has gotten. I mean, Raquan yeah. battle, Jesse Edwards, uh, Kirk Creasa, um, basketball podcast coming to you soon. Yeah. We're moving on to basketball. No, I'm getting moving on to the hardwood, but, um, I think we're adapting as as a university and athletics, Mm -hmm. and I think Baker is a big part of that. I think he is the biggest part of that, Um, you know. And you know, I'm not going to talk money and all that, but um, I think if something needs to come up, I think a guy like JJ, who has stepped up and earned it in his first two years, not a homegrown player, but kind of close to a homegrown player, Mm -hmm. he loves the Maisie ball system, he loves being here. I think we can retain him, and I really hope so. I mean, like I said, if he has anything near, like a season he's having again, we'll see another first rounder like we saw in Alec Manoa, who went 11th overall to the Blue Jays in 2019. And this kid has a different set of skills. I mean, he's such a good hitter, but look at him in the field. I mean, he's a really good fielder, too. This analy- um, this projection that I'm reading kind of questions his arm a little bit, questions if he's a second baseman or a third baseman. Um, but, I mean, do we ever see J.J. make errors? out there not usually he's no. usually diving for balls he's very fast he's very quick um, when the ball is coming off the bat so I don't think defense will be a problem either
1: you know a big shout out to new athletic director Rem Baker he's, he's such a nice guy I've talked to him a few times he's really a stand-up dude and he's done so much for this athletic department in in positive ways and I hope that that continues to grow but you know I, <laughs> he also comes to the game as a fan too which is really cool I mean uh, practically as a fan I mean mm-hmm. everybody knows who he is but he he comes and dressed in WVU gear yeah like he runs in very well yeah yeah, yeah.
0: You you would never if you uh you know aren't a student here or, you know it was your like first time going to WVU you n- not even just a baseball game any sport and you saw him you would never think that he was the uh, athletic director because he just yeah. he's just like one of us you know what I mean yeah it's he definitely cool. and he
1: just hired new women's basketball coach mm-hmm. Mark Kellogg who I'm excited to see his um next uh, his start next season but you know I want to get back to baseball here because. Um, I want to talk about the TCU series. Like I said, we're working a little bit backwards order here, but I just want to touch on that real quick because I think that might be probably the best wins on WVU's resume thus far. Uh, maybe the um, Oklahoma State wins as well, but I think the TCU at home sweeping them, dominating them, even on especially on Sunday, that's uh, got to be a big resume builder. You know, Aaron, I'll start with you. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it, it the Mountaineers had never swept TCU. Um, since joining the big 12. so that was huge. Great crowds. I think the combined crowds was was up near 10,000. It was in the 9,000 range. Uh, I was at all the games, just amazing crowds. Um, and the bats came to play and even in the first game where like I mean five runs is not bad by any stretch. but you win a one run game five to four. Um, kind of Ben Hampton kind of got back to um, what he's used to, six innings, two earned runs, one was unearned. Uh, three runs overall, one was unearned. And then, I mean, let's give some some credit to Carlson Reed. I had him Um, wrote down as someone. Two and two-thirds innings with uh, two hits and no earned runs and getting a multi-inning save, that's huge. And then from that point on, the Bats took over. 7-4 in Friday's game when the Mountaineers were down, I believe, what, 4-1, and they had that huge inning. Uh, Landon Wallace had a uh, two-run RBI single to tie the game at four, and then I believe Ellis Garcia broke it open with a home run, and then the Bats just completely took over on Sunday with uh, with the mercy rule. Weatherhole got yeah. it. He didn't get it going. It had already gotten going at that point, but he kind of broke it open. Um, and TCU could never catch up. And shout out to Tevin Tucker for making a heads-up play, diving into first base, and um, getting that run rule. And apparently, what, you can only mercy rule on Sundays? That's uh, what we heard had last night. I had night no, clue. Annoyed, yeah. no clue about that. That's, yeah, a, that's a very odd rule. But and It's at the end of a series, I think. Like, yeah. It has to be at the end it's, of a series. It's kind of like a getaway day type of thing where you know people got to get back especially TCU getting back to Texas but um, heads up play by him because he might have not beaten that throw uh, um, you know if he didn't slide so that was a big play um, got us out there a little bit earlier
1: you know I I don't want to walk past Carlson Reed because he has played so well I mean 1.04 ERA 34 strikeouts and four saves on the season that's just I mean, I know we usually use ace for a starter, but, I mean, that's that's ace for a closer if, if there's anything else you could ask for him. And, you know, Aiden Major, too, especially on Saturday, he came in and really shut down that game, 36 Ks and a save on the season. Uh, both those guys have really just taken those closer roles and ran with them, and I think they've been really great recently as well. So I, I don't want to walk past their performances either.
2: Yeah, they've been really good. Um, you know, that's what you want to see out of the bullpen. And, and other guys like Grant Siegel has... You know, taking on a new rule, a new role rather um, in the bullpen after losing a starting job, mm-hmm. and he's held it down too. So that's what you want to see if you're Randy Maisie. Um, but I just can't get over the offense, and not just like stealing bags like they usually do. I mean, Weatherholt is batting four fifty-nine. That is the second best average in America behind mm-hmm. Dylan Cruz at LSU, who's going to go number one overall to the Pirates more than likely. Tevin Tucker's hitting three seventy. McNeely's hitting 333 uh, Wallace is hitting 319 and all four of those guys have had at least 120 plate appearances this is not like small sample size 44 ribbies for for Weatherholt, 38 for McNeely um 35 for Wallace and I know Barry and Dane Leonard have a good amount of RBIs as well it just goes to show that that Maisie knows how to how to get his guys like I said this on I think our last episode of the podcast like he lo- he lost. Austin Davis, a uh, like a Big Twelve, what first team or second team player of the year last year? First o- team. Yep. McGuire Holbrook as well. Um, and I did an article on on the transfers coming in. And I was like, man, wh- who was Caleb McNeely from Walter <laughs> State Community College? I, wh- remember I was talking that? about it? Like us three were talking about it before yeah. the season. we were like, no offense to <laughs> anybody on this team, but this team might not be that good. We really didn't think they're going to be that good, and we did not see the vision. Um, we didn't watch any. Obviously, case. Maisie did. Yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> you got to give him credit. Yeah, I mean, credit. guys like Landon Wallace, he can, um, he can really put the bat on the ball, and he can, you know, he can hit it over the fence. But yet, yeah, he's super fast, um, versatile, can play the outfield. You want to talk about versatile? I mean, Caleb McNeely has made diving plays at third, um, but he's been moved to right field pretty much um, for the back half of the season, and he's held it down back there. So, um, he's not exa- outside of Grant Hussey. He's not looking for like guys that are just gonna you know put 10 15 balls over the fence he's looking for versatile guys that can put it over the fence but also bring a different set of skills to the table and that's that's the whole roster at this point yeah everything's kind of clicking right now
1: so you know um as we get into our MLB segment here I do want to preview the next big 12 series I mean big 12 play doesn't stop for West Virginia right now they're going on the road to Waco to play Baylor in a three-game weekend series you know I'll start with you Tyler um do you think this is an important series for the season, or is it something that Mountain Mountaineers just need to get past and, uh, you know, these are wins that they must have to, I, I shouldn't say maintain relevancy, mm-hmm. but, I mean, if you lose these ones, it's going to hurt your resume.
0: It will, but, I mean, if we, if our record was flipped, if we were, like, 11-30, and 30, I would say, you know, at, <laughs> at this point... That would be a really bad year. I would <laughs> be like, oh, my goodness. At, at this point, you just got to, you know, play for, you know, pride and just, you know, just finish out the year strong, but I think it doesn't... At this point, every game is important. Yeah. You know, you have to take it seriously, especially if you want to host that regional. So it doesn't matter if you're playing, you know, Baylor, who, like we said before, isn't the best... Uh, big 12 team out there doesn't matter if you're playing the best or the worst team you always have to put on your best performance especially when you have a team as good as
1: this and, you know I want to give credit to the mountaineers too I mean I think I, f- I feel like they, against Penn State they really did that like they really did not take Penn State lightly even though they lost to Penn State er- earlier in the season they didn't take them lightly and they came in with a lot of uh, a lot of momentum and used that to mm-hmm. their advantage so I definitely
2: they think need that for the Baylor series yeah. go ahead Aaron yeah, yeah you, you make a really weekend? you make a really good point about that Penn State game before I move on to Baylor um, you know, emotional win at PNC this time last week. Um, we didn't beat, even mention that. Yeah, they beat Pitt at PNC. Yeah, went down 4 nothing and, and beat them. So highly emotional game mm-hmm. there. And then you come home and play TCU, and you want to talk about talk about an emotional series. I mean, the crowds behind you. Uh, you win a close game, you blow them out. Uh, lots of emotions flying out, and you get those three wins. Maisie said it in his post game for Penn State. Penn State on a Tuesday night kind of had a it could have been a trap game you know they after an emotional series um paired with the pit game uh, they could have come out flat and they didn't even come any anywhere close to being flat yeah um beat their I, mean, I guess you can call it a little bit of a rivalry should not have lost that first game in happy valley uh, you know a barrage of errors is what uh, led them to that loss and using nine pitchers so you don't want to lose both games to Penn State they're not bad they have a winning record but um, you know, not good in conference play, losing record in the Big Ten, 2-8 on the road coming into that game. So you wanted to win that game, um, but credit to the Mountaineers for not letting that be a trap game. And moving on to Baylor, I mean, uh, like Tyler said, every game is important at this point, especially if you want to host that regional. Um, if you look at this Mountaineer team, they have big wins. Beat Kansas State on the road 2 out of 3. Beat Oklahoma State 2 out of 3 on the road. Swept TCU yet they lost two out of three at home to Kansas. Yeah, this is a weird series, man. Is at the bottom three of the league, and you're kind of scratching your head on that one. And, you know, thankfully for them, they regrouped, and, and now they're back on a bigger winning streak. But um, you don't want to take anybody lightly just because they're at the bottom of the conference. Baylor has had plenty of good years and successful years in the Big 12 and in college baseball in general, and they've made it to Omaha um, before. So you don't want to take them lightly. you got to get two out of three if, um, if you're asking me.
1: I feel like you hear this term a lot in college basketball, especially. But I mean, every game's a resume builder at this point. Like, absolutely. I don't know; they don't really have quad one, quad two, like they do in college basketball. But every game in the Big Twelve is going to be a resume builder for you. So you have to be, um, you have to be uh, ready for those and prepared. And and uh, the crowd has been behind them. You know, I uh, Maisie um, he mentioned in this last post game conference um, about how the crowd has been so far behind, uh, has been so supportive of the team this season. And we've seen historic numbers. I mean, they've had they had over nine thousand total fans, like you said, Aaron, for the TCU series. So there's a lot riding on this West Virginia mm-hmm. squad, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to see the rest of the season. Any, any more thoughts you guys got before we move on to some MLB topics?
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you're you're looking forward to the rest of the season, and I, I think I've I don't think I've ever looked forward to like college baseball so much in my life. It's it's truly a fun fun brand of baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said that on the post game show for U92 the other day. Um, like they're swinging the bats really well they're aggressive on the base path they are they're not bad defenders nobody out there is slow or immobile or you know lethargic out there everybody um there's often there's often a diving catch in the outfield there's often a home run robbery it's truly a fun brand of baseball and um you know if you put that up against a lot of teams in the nation um that aggressiveness will will win you some close games so um that's big and i think you know um, I think Mountaineer Nation is starting to kind of come around them. And uh, Maisie said it the other day. It's like, when has there ever been traffic outside of a, a <laughs> WV baseball yeah. game? I mean, if you look 10, 15 years ago and even further, I mean, WV baseball was in a bad spot. We were at a spot with, um, with AD Oliver Luck where they were about to get rid of the program or invest in it. They invested in it, they got Randy Maisie from TCU, uh, uh, he was a bench coach there. Um, and he's really turned the thing around. Um, so it's, it's really fun to see. And I think, I think this can happen for, for years to come. If, if Maisie keeps, um, captaining the ship and get, getting the guys that play his style of ball.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, to swap topics here, we're going to go from one team that West Virginia baseball that has been on fire to another team that has also been on fire, which is the MLB's Pittsburgh pirates. They are 17 and eight as we, uh, as we stand now, I mean, they they're playing right now, aren't they? I'm not sure. They did they win that game? So it's probably the back end of the game. Probably I guess. the back end of the I game. Think. So maybe we'll give you an update as the end of this podcast yeah. goes on. But the Pirates, as of right now, are 17 and eight. And, you know, we, I want to talk about a couple of big storylines that happened, and one of those happened yesterday. I want to talk about first because we were there. I think this is an important topic to mention. Uh, Drew Maggie or Maggie, excuse me. Uh, He made his MLB debut after 13 years in the minors at the age of 33, and we got to see him. He did strike out. uh, He swan and missed on a a low pitch, but uh, he made his MLB debut. He got a standing ovation from the crowd. That was a really cool moment, Mm -hmm. and and we were there last night and got to experience it, and and, you know, just listening to his his post-game little meet-up he had with the reporter there at PNC Park, um, he's such a stand-up dude. Like, you can just tell that he's been working his whole life for this, so You know, it was really cool to see that. And, you know, that was something that was unexpected. I mean, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Mm -hmm. I
0: don't know. I kind of felt, especially after uh, hearing and watching his post-game interview, I felt a little bad because, it's like you said, he's such a nice guy. He's humble. And what was it, 10, 12 years he was in the minors? 13.
1: 13. Yeah, 13 years. 33 years old, man.
0: Yeah. And, you know, but for him, he just... You know, I'd if I was in his shoes. You know, I'd 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 be happy. You know, I just made it because there's not many people. If you look at the stats, I don't have them in front of me, but it's a very low percentage of people that make it to the majors. So you got to be pretty happy, despite you know being in the minors for that long.
1: And he kind of said that after the yeah. game. He was like, you know, uh, once he got the once the manager looked over and said, "Hey, start warming up." Uh, he kind of like felt the adrenaline run. He said this after the game, and and you know he's like this is my moment. I finally made it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that every athlete wants. That was really cool to see.
2: Yeah, that that was awesome to see. I mean, that's, it's so rare to, uh, to make it to the MLB. I mean, I think that's the hardest as far as sports go to work your way up through the minor leagues. If you're not some prominent prospect, that's, that's highly regarded. I I think that's awesome. It reminds me of a story of uh, a Cubs catcher from a couple years ago, Teddy Payne from Hurricane High School. I think my cousin knew him um, and he worked and worked and worked. And he was kind of stuck at AAA or not A, Double A, AA. and he finally made it up at the end of the season. Um, I think he got one or two ABs, and it's kind of a similar story. I think, I think this guy for the Pirates might get a little bit more at bats, but it's just like it was like, man, I'm there. I'm facing the MLB pitching. I'm I'm, I'm at whatever he was, Great American Ballpark, PNC Park, and it's just those those stories are super cool and super heartwarming.
1: Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> he said in the in the conference afterwards. Oh, I was up there getting ready for that heater, you know. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was, and, he, and that foul he was on, on the it. first one. Yeah, yeah he,
0: if it was fair, he would have given that a good ride. You know? He and and took a, a big hack at it. it. Big yeah, hack. He yep. took a couple big
1: hacks, but mm-hmm. he fouled another one off. I think so. He got the pitch clock violation. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. Yeah, Did I didn't you?
0: notice that until I saw it on. So yesterday. I saw a
1: video, especially mm-hmm. on Talking Baseball. Um, I saw the.
2: Did he really? Yeah, he got a pitch clock oh violation. I didn't notice that. It was
1: so. The story is is that um they the ump gave him his standing ovation, you know. He, he stepped out of the box, he let him have his moment, strapped um, you know, take his uh, straps on his glove off, whatever he needed to do. And then he stepped into the box and then he got the, <laughs> the pitch clock violation, so he was okay. already down 0-1 before he even swung the bat for the first time. So, uh, but it was still really cool and he he was fighting in that AB, you know. He got he got it to I think it was 2-2 count. Um he had a good eye on two balls and then uh had the fouls and then he struck out low but Mm -hmm. i mean still you you got to think that's an awesome story to see after 13 years and you know you don't see in any sport a 33 year old rookie that's really that's really something different
2: yeah it reminds me of the movie the rookie with that picture (laughs) for the devil rays at that time and you know you you could you could write it's hard to write stories like that and you can make um you know movies about stuff like that all the time i'm sure he's not the only person that has that story but like we don't see it as much anymore no um, where there's there's so much athleticism and so much star power in this game and you know if you're stuck in the minors it's so easy to give in it, you know it's so you know easy to move on to another career when you're not getting paid well you know you're away from your family it's been whatever 9 10 11 years in the minors and you haven't got that call and for him to get that call is, is just amazing and it shows that resilience that he had um, that not many people will ever have
1: i mean imagine the mental toughness you must have to sit in the minors for 13 years and never get that call. And then he finally does, and it's on, like he said, it was on this night, this was my moment finally, and it's really crazy to get that call. But, you know, someone else I want to talk about for the Pirates, we'll move on to him, and that is outfielder Brian Reynolds. He got an eight-year, $106 million extension last week, and, you know, I just want to ask simply first, uh, what does this mean for the Pirates? I mean, they got someone that's, uh, they, got, they got a star locked up.
0: Well, it's... It is good, and I I wasn't expecting that to happen, because we all know that the Pirates' ownership, they're a little cautious about how they spend their money, and I don't even know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's cautious, but it's...
1: I think I know what? a word. What? Cheap. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> that, that's what I was looking for. It, it's cheap. I wasn't sure um, if you were going to say it or me, so...
0: Yeah, I, I mean, they, before that, I mean, they did sign, uh, Key Brian Haste, like a seven year deal, or whatever it was, but... They did get their guy. It was a good move. Um, personally, I think, um, and I understand why he was underpaid because, like I said, the Pirates don't have that kind of money to throw around. But uh, This is their highest paid
1: salary. Exactly. Ever.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. But definitely, if he waited out and went somewhere else, he definitely would have got more money, but... It's, it's, it's a, definitely
2: a victory for the Pirates. He's, he's deserving of every penny of it. I mean, I did not want to see him get traded to a team like the Yankees or, or the Dodgers. I loved him in pinstripes. Yeah, of course you would. Of course you would.
1: Uh, a uh, bird on bats would have been beautiful. No.
2: <laughs> no. We need outfitters. All right, go ahead. No, it's just <laughs> <laughs> I like seeing s- small market teams. Yeah, definitely. Go out and get their guys because uh, yeah. you don't see it much. You don't ever see it with the Reds. That was my kind of hometown team. Um, you know the Castellini family they do not put money into their players um, and historically Bob Nutting and the Pirates ownership have not done it either so it's a breath a breath of fresh air to see them do that um, and he's a humble guy you don't see him making headlines for the wrong reasons um, he's got a great bat switch hitting bat um, good contact bat but can also put one over the fence mm-hmm. sound in sound in the outfield defensively um, so it's good to see that they got him and keep Brian Hayes locked up keep Brian Hayes got a lot of years but I think he got less money. Um, I thought
1: it was somewhere in the seventy to eighty million. It was something
2: like that. I think maybe high eighties. Yeah, I
0: think it was like seven
2: years, eighty million dollars. It was less money than some of the other young stars are getting, but at the same time, like his hitting hasn't really been there in the last. I mean, he's young, so he's got room for improvement. Mm -hmm. But his hitting hasn't been there. But they still locked him up, which I like because he's so sound in in the um, in the field. One of the best fielders, if not the best infielder in the National League right now, behind you know Arenado. Um, and a lot of people thought he deserved the Gold Glove over Arenado last year. You know, I'm not sure where I stand on that, but to, to, for him to be in that conversation is huge, um, and it's good for Pirates fans to you know actually know that you know maybe they're, they're not going to win the World Series. O'Neill Cruz is out. Hey, for don't
1: tell don't tell Ryan that. Our, our buddy, yeah,
2: our buddy Ryan has <laughs> has them penciled into the World Series. Has them uh, <laughs> more than penciled in. He has them like set in stone in the World Series. But <laughs> no O'Neill Cruz, so they're probably not going to end up making the playoffs. But like, what a start for them! Yeah. Um, this is a team that every year is one of those teams that is automatically kind of like um, a doormat, automatically a bottom feeder. Because you kind of rule can, them out. Yeah, yeah, they get off to such bad starts too. They, they don't, you know, their lineups that you look at, you know, historically over the last couple of years, it's like, man, is this an MLB roster? Um, so That's how I feel about the
1: athletics, dude.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're 5-20. and 20. They're not trying to compete. No. And there's been years that the Pirates don't try to compete. So seeing, you know, a good team, or seeing them field a good team. I mean, they're a a historic team. They've been around for over 100 years. They were part of the first ever World Series. They had guys like Clemente, Stargell, Dave Parker. They have a good history, um, and I'm tired of seeing them be really bad and put bad products on the field. So this is really good to see, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, um, I I mentioned the athletic, you know, I'm going to flip to that since that's a little bit of a dated topic. We need to talk about their recent news they have officially bought land in las vegas 49 acres of land for a 1.5 billion dollar project on a stadium and surrounding area of course so um their lease in oakland lasts until 2025 and i read something today that they believe that they will have to play in their triple a affiliate stadium until their stadium is complete because that they're i mean the construction is going to go into 2027 maybe even 2028 Mm -hmm. so i mean Obviously, this is a great move. We've talked about this before off the air. We've talked about how the A's need to get out of that stadium, need to build something new, need to get out of that city. So, I mean, what do you guys think of this? Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, what do you think of this this new project? I mean, this is a new step for the athletics.
2: Yeah, it's it's a little weird for me. Um, you know, Oakland is losing their last team. I mean, Oakland has really passionate fans. Yeah. They lost the Raiders. I know the Warriors are still just a bridge right away, but they were at Oracle Arena for decades, and now they're you know in the Chase Center in San Francisco. So this is their last team, but ownership does not put together a. a, a they don't feel it a good team ever. Um, that stadium is a dump. I mean, it is bad. So they don't really deserve to have a, a team there anymore. Um, Vegas is the new hip thing, if you will. In every
1: sport, it seems like Vegas yeah. is the new trendy city that everybody wants a apparently, team to a team there. yeah.
2: Apparently team Apparently, the city is not very like dirty. It's cleaner than it used to be. There's a lot of things to do. Um, and if you look at the Las Vegas Aces, their AAA team, where the A's might have to go for a little bit, their average attendance is past the Oakland A's attendance. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't so know that. So I think they're going to do just fine. Um, I'm sure they'll build a state-of-the-art facility. Um, it, it just it sucks to see a little bit, and it'll make watching Moneyball, a little bit more bittersweet.
0: (laughs) I am, to a degree, I am a little disappointed, only because I did want to go and see the stadium. I did. I understand it's a dump, but, like, I I don't know. I've always had this itch to go and see it. Just Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: That's kind of like,
2: I mean, uh, Aaron said he's gone to uh, the Tropicana Field down there in Tampa. Mm -hmm. You got to check it off your bucket list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You got to check it off your list and... Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Tyler wanted to do that with the Oakland Coliseum. There's a lot of rich history there, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not. I nice. mean, they, they
0: had people like you know Henderson, Reggie Jackson, mm-hmm. Catfish Hunter, uh, Raleigh Fingers. You know, they they do have a nice history, but it was time to move on. I agree. Um, and Vegas is a perfect spot. It was either going to be. I would have. I also want to see in the future a team in um, Nashville. Oh That's yeah, a, I think that'd be another perfect spot. You know what I've heard a lot of? Another
1: I've heard team. of Vancouver. So people want team in yeah, Vancouver. Yeah,
2: another Canadian
1: team. That'd yeah. be
2: cool. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, I haven't seen as much Vancouver, but I've seen a lot of um, Charlotte, um, Nashville, and there was another city, uh, Portland, maybe. Yeah, I, I can't maybe. remember. Yeah. Um, sure. But but Charlotte and Nashville were the ones where I was like, okay, if there's going to be expansion teams going forward, you know, I want I want I want teams there because I mean. You know, going on like vacation down to South Carolina, a lot of pe- a lot of West Virginians do that. Mm-hmm. Having a team in Charlotte would be pretty big, and I know the Charlotte Knights, their Triple A affiliate, get really good attendance um, numbers. And and like you said, Tyler Nashville would be amazing. They have great fans, a lot of things to do there. Um, you know, n- not a historically like dangerous city. I'm I'm sure it's, it has its parts, but it's a nice city. Um so I would like to see that in the future. What
0: about Montreal bringing back uh, bringing baseball <laughs> back to Montreal? Does anybody I mean, want that? I I'd be cool with that. Right? I, I mean
2: be I cool. don't
1: obviously they couldn't use I mean could they re- bring back Expos? Is I, that something they I could would like that if I they
2: if they wanted to do that. I don't even know that's allowed though. Is that is that a thing you can do Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um they still have their stadium that the Expos played in, but man it is renovated, it's though. a dump. Yeah, <laughs> they, you got to yeah. If they get a team, they got to start from scratch. Or I mean, do like, they do
0: they use it at all?
2: I don't know what it. I don't even you know it's standing. I'm I, I, I don't know it's standing either. either. I, no I think it's standing. I'm, I'm like 99 percent sure. Wow. I could be wrong that's, on that. That's pretty cool. But it's a dump. Um, you know th- if it is still standing. This is kind of on topic,
1: but I read on the same ESPN article about them have. So, to your point, real quick, before I go, walk walk over this. Um, so apparently they'll still be playing there until 2025. So you could go see them Tyler, okay, if you wanted to. Good. So, okay. I mean, that that it has to, to be soon. It'd to be soon, but, I mean, <laughs> I th- it's still possible. Right. But um, in that same ESPN article that talked about them potentially playing at their AAA affiliate during construction, it also said that their owner is keen on keeping the athletics as the name. So it'll be the Las Vegas Athletics most likely, or maybe Vegas Athletics,
2: uh, well, whatever wh- it may what be. What else would you call
0: them, you know? I Vegas? don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of, I don't
2: know. It'd be weird to change the name. There's plenty you know. of, yeah, there's plenty of people that, I'm sure would have ideas. I mean, heck Seattle got a team in the NHL and they're called the Kraken. I mean, Which that's is, really that's cool, perfect. but uh, a good the, name. the athletics have a rich history. I mean, mm-hmm. before, before, yeah. Oak, I mean, they've been in Oakland for a long time. I mean, for a long time. Um, they have that three peat from 72 to 74, uh, with guys like catfish Hunter, Reggie Jackson, Vita blue, a lot of history there, but even before Oakland, they were the Philadelphia athletics and they had a lot of history too, in the early 1900s. So to keep that athletics name, I think is important, um, for the baseball community. Even though I don't think it's the most like extravagant name or anything like that, I think it's important to keep it just for the history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Vegas, I I, I think the thing for me is
1: part of a team that like part of the team branding is how it sounds. Like St. Louis Cardinals, Boston Red Sox, it just sounds good. Mm-hmm. I don't think Las Vegas Athletics sounds good personally. I, I'm not pers- we should, I'm not advocating for them to change it. I'm just per- saying it doesn't it doesn't flow.
0: Personally, I don't think the Las Vegas Golden Knights sounds good because I don't understand the connection at all. I feel like they got really le- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some sort of I highly doubt it, but um, I know it's hockey. But if we're going to be talking about it, if it sounds good or not, that name I don't know where that got. Really, Vegas doesn't sound
1: in. good with a team name. Maybe maybe Las Vegas yeah. Raiders sounds it okay. Would, I, I think but
0: you, I think you would have to really embrace the whole, you know. Las Vegas Strip and gambling kind of thing to, and that's have where the Aces work. comes
2: in. The name Aces, yeah, so. yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the Golden Knights is this, so actually, I what that's actually. Uh,
2: I think I have that wrong. I think it's. I think they're the Aviators, aren't they? I'm not sure, listeners. I think I think I botched what? that up. I think they're the Vegas Aviators. What team? What? The the AAA affiliate. Yeah, they got. We're yeah, looking it like, up right now. I know. I know I'm right about the... You are correct. The it's the Las mm-hmm. Vegas... Well, you were wrong. Yeah. Now you're correct. It's the <laughs> I, Las Vegas
1: Aviators. It. Yeah, I
0: remember. Yeah. They had like a really cool logo. It's like the guy with the, the fighter mask on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, with the big The
1: Aces are their yeah. WNBA team. Actually. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They, I, I got confused. The Aviators rebranded a couple of years ago. I, I can't tell you what they were before the Aviators, but they got new logos. Um, you know, I think the stadium is pretty new. New name, new colors, and everything like that. And it's been a hit so far. And like I said they, they they have a bigger attendance on average <laughs> than the yeah. Oakland A's. So Is,
0: Isn't there an, another new minor league team they're called like the Space Cowboys? I don't know. Right? What? Yeah, the the Space Cowboys. What I, team? It might be the
2: Astros. That sounds fairly I mean, new. No, no, no. it, it was like Probably
0: maybe two years ago. I mean, that sounds right, with maybe Houston we'll and
2: the Space Center and then Cowboys with Texas. Yeah. I mean, that would yeah. make perfect I, sense. I'm pretty sure there's a team out there called that. That's really funny. But, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs>
1: about about the Oakland move, I just want to give my final opinion real quick. You know, I, I feel bad for the fans of Oakland in a way because, like Aaron said, they've lost so many sports. I mean, they, they lost the Raiders. They lost the Warriors, even though the Warriors are still close. And now they're losing the A's. And all, albeit the attendance wasn't that great, I kind of feel bad for Oakland fans just because fans in that area – I guess they've still got the Niners because, I mean, it's just across the bridge. So they got still got the Niners. They'll still have the Warriors in San Francisco. But I, I kind of feel bad that all the teams <laughs> – it seems like all these California teams want to flock to uh, to Vegas. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I feel bad for them. But I, I, the move's got to be – I mean, we, we all agree. The move is mm-hmm. great for the Athletics. They really need that. And I'm glad that they're investing all that money into it.
2: Yeah, I mean, with, with traffic, uh, Levi Stadium for the, the Niners, you brought up the point there across the bridge. I think their stadium's in technically San Jose – the traffic, I'm not yeah. sure how bad that is, but I mean, I'm sure it's still under an hour. It's probably not that bad because it's like, uh, it's like
1: Oakland, San Francisco, across the bridge, and then south of San Francisco is San Jose, right? Yeah, I think the geography. So. Yeah. I think so.
2: So it's still, it's kind of a far and, drive. Yeah, and to your point, I, I do feel bad for the fans. Um, it here's my opinion on it. If if ownership and management is not going to field a competitive team um, for the majority of a season, for multiple seasons, I mean, just years and years of not even trying not even attempting to compete then i don't blame fans for not wanting to spend you know take the family out and spend 300 dollars at the ballpark um to go see a team that that doesn't even try to compete so i don't feel like i don't blame fans for not attending over the last few years because there's nothing to see um and it's the same way for for some reds teams I was um, thinking of the Pirates. Reds and Pirates, yeah. Because like, we know Pittsburgh fans are passionate. Yeah.
1: We've seen Stewart games be packed. We've seen Penn's we games be packed. And and, yeah.
2: and the Reds, too. I mean, they, they are the original the original MLB team. They have a huge following, a big fan base. So I, I, I'm i not saying these, these fans are, are bad fans or, you know, fair weather fans. They just, like, I don't blame them for not wanting to spend hundreds of dollars multiple times a year to see a team that is not competitive at all. So I don't blame Oakland fans i'm on the side with you I, I feel more sorry sorry for them
1: yeah definitely and you know uh I, i'm gonna switch gears a little bit because we got we got a lot of we missed our episode last week so we got a lot of storylines to go through and recently we had a couple of no hitters and perfect games on the line that were broken mm-hmm. early uh first i want to talk about drew smiley since that one actually happened first <laughs> and uh you guys have a funny story about this you, you want to go into that real quick before i talk about any stats Sure. Um, <laughs> I Aaron was, and Tyler had a little interaction with, with his Drew Smiley. No, hitter. I, I in, was watching the,
2: the game, um, pretty much from the beginning. Um, and I knew he had a perfect game going since I think I, I found out about it in the fourth inning. So I watched from like innings four through seven, knowing that he had a perfect game and I'm a little bit superstitious when it comes to sports. Like some superstitions are dumb. I, I get it. But the one of like not talking about the perfect game, not talking about the no hitter, um, I kind of practiced that one. So Tyler, you know, comes out of his room in the eighth inning and he's dealing. <laughs> I, and I did absolutely nothing wrong. He's going. I will <laughs> live by this. Okay, Tyler's innocent. In my Tyler's time. like, he's you know, it, does he still have the note? Does he still have the perfect game? Like, he still got it right or something like that. And I was just like, I was like pointing at him to just kind of shush, and he like kept going with it. Like, he's got the perfect <laughs> game. He's got the perfect game. And like within seconds, Yon Gomes just tackles him. <laughs> um, so. No,
0: but but here's the thing, like. I, I'm not wrong because if I said, hey, um, I, I'd have to word it like, hey, you know, oh, this is great. He'll definitely have, you know, this was top eight. He'll definitely have the perfect game. You know, th- he's rolling right now. That's where that was wrong. I could ask <laughs> if he's still doing, if he's still in the the, the perfect game. That's fine. So it wasn't my fault. Mean, it was fault. It was Young Gomes' fault.
1: I mean, <laughs> it was his fault. <laughs> and, you know, there were some people that thought that that should have been ruled an error. Right. I, I read this i read this the other because i was doing notes today and i read mm-hmm. some stuff and people thought that should have been an error and i was like now there's a, no way that counts as an error no
0: that, that was a pretty routine play no yeah. it was just bad communication and i've never seen that before well, like i've the, never the, seen the way that it went over with him because he youngum's kind of stopped and i guess with was it a bunt y- no yeah. it was like a check swing kind of oh, right? like a half swing yeah it was it was a broken bat swing uh, from yeah, david yeah, peralta well. and it mm-hmm. just kind
2: of died and um, Tyler, I kind of disagree with the fact that it was a routine play. Like, if – like, Yon Gomes tackled him, and, like, that was crazy, <laughs> embarrassing. It shouldn't have happened like that. Miscommunication, you're right. Um, but, like, that was, like, right down the line, barely moving. Um, he would have – like, his body – Smiley's body was kind of turned the other way. If Yon Gomes is not in the picture, like, nowhere near him, that would have been a tough play. Could he have made it? Maybe. Um, but if Yon Gomes wasn't in the picture, I think it was going to be a bang-bang play. But regardless, he was in the way. Yeah. It was a miscommunication. It was just an incredibly brutal way yeah. to end a perfect game. Um, so I didn't play. see it live. Yeah, it was definitely a tough play. I didn't see it live, but
1: I watched the the clip of it today. I actually might have been yesterday. I watched the clip of it, and I'm like, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, that's that's just the best. Like, there's got to be better communication there. And, you know, I don't want to I don't wanna discredit what Drew Smiley did because he still had a great day, of course. Uh, he had a final line of seven and two-thirds. He had ten strikeouts, and a uh, fun fact: sixty-eight of his one hundred and three pitches were strikes. And the Cubs won thirteen to nothing over the Dodgers. So that's a great win for them, but uh, it sucks to see a perfect game get knocked out like that. So, um, but yeah, there's another there's another perfect game, and I guess after the perfect game got broken, the no hitter was still in possible. But we're talking about Spencer Strider for the Atlanta Braves. He went through six perfect innings. Before, Matt Olsen had an error at first that gave up the perfect game. And uh, once again, with the superstitions, uh, Aaron told me to not turn the game on. I pulled my laptop out <laughs> and turned the game on. And I mean, immediately. I, didn't, I missed the error from Matt Olsen before. So the perfect game was already out at that point. But I was still watching to see the no-hitter, right? Literally, the second I turn on my laptop, Gene Segura bat flips a single into the outfield. And uh, Strider loses his pr- is uh, no hitter.
2: I so. think the moral of these two stories are maybe listen to me when there's a <laughs> when there's a no hitter going on. <laughs> don't turn it on, or well, I mean, you can turn it on because everyone wants to watch history. But I was just kind of I was messing with you a little bit there, but it turned out to be true again. It, you know, I was like, yeah, don't turn it on. But like in reality, like I wanted you to watch it if there was a no hitter. He's on your fantasy. Yeah, team. yeah, it's, it's, it's history. Um, I've never
1: seen anything. I've never even seen anything close to that live. I mean, you saw a no-hitter in
2: person, I, correct? I have seen a no-hitter in person. Um, I was a 10-year-old at Progressive Field in Cleveland, Irvin Santana of the Los Angeles Angels. Um, he had a no-hitter, a very rare no-hitter where he gave up a run. Um, oh, wow. Well, he did not give it up. It was not earned. But a run was scored by the Indians early on. Um, a ball Would that happen on errors? Yeah, a ball was yeah. hit to Eric Ibar, the former, I think, second baseman for the Angels. Made an error. The guy advanced, he might have stolen a base, maybe a pass ball, I don't remember. And then he got home on a ground out or a sack fly or something like that. Um, so the, the run was not earned. He threw a no-hitter. Um, Mike Trout was a rookie and started in left field. Um, I believe I saw Mike Trout get his like one of his first 20 RBIs in his career for that oh, game. That's but, awesome. That's cool. But yeah, we were all disappointed. My brother Andrew at the time was an Angels fan, and their best pitcher at the time was Jared Weaver. And we were so disappointed because we were supposed to see him, but he pitched the night before, and we were all disappointed going into the game that we weren't going to see Weaver, and we ended up seeing a no-hitter. So it, it was a <laughs> great time. I had seen a no-hitter in person. You know, it's kind of like
1: I feel like it would be a double-edged sword because you're seeing uh, – I, I, this is coming from kind of a casual perspective, I guess, but you're seeing a boring game. I mean, not a lot of hits. Uh, of course, everyone loves a defensive baseball game. I, I love defensive baseball games. But, I mean, it's kind of a boring game when you're seeing a no-hitter, but still – historic whenever you do. And, you know, uh, Strider has been dealing this season. He's been, he's been really great, you know, a member of the Land of the Freeman Fantasy baseball team, and he got me 50 fantasy points for this game. And I want to talk about his final line because it was, it was really awesome still, even without the no-hitter and the perfect game. He went eight innings. Uh, t- he allowed two hits, uh, 13 strikeouts, and 81 of his 101 pitches were strikes. And, of course, the Braves won 11 to nothing over the Marlins. So, I mean yeah. – it's what could have been i guess for strider he's been doing great this season
2: yeah he was i mean he's been amazing he he's a flame thrower he he strikes guys out um i'll touch more on him later in the show um or in the episode rather um but before we move on from the topic of no hitters i'd like to say i have seen another one it just oh, wow. wasn't pro- it well it was professional it was not mlb um i Little saw league no i saw hunter strickland do you remember hunter strickland yeah i did uh, for the reds you saw chase valley middle school no hitter <laughs> <laughs> No, I did not. (laughs) It was with the West Virginia Power, actually. Hunter Strickland threw a no-hitter and signed my ticket stub after the (laughs) game. And then he ended up, like, years later. That's cool, though. He ended up, like, years later, he got in a fight with Bryce Harper, and Harper threw a helmet at him. (laughs) That's what he's remembered for. (laughs) I mean, I guess a serviceable pitcher for a couple years. But, yeah, those are the two no-hitters I've seen. You know, didn't you say Cabrian Hayes played for the Power, right? He did, and he uh, he also played for the West Virginia Black Bears, the team Tyler that plays. Head over this. E- yeah. Everybody played for the Power. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. Everybody yeah. in the Pirates organization, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, also, just other guys. When I was a kid, they were the Brewers, so like Lorenzo Cain mm-hmm. and um, uh, Ryan um, Braun as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to that no-hitter with Irvin Santana, it was against the Indians. The last at, out was Michael Brantley, who also played for the Power. <laughs> so there's always some kind of connection. But, yeah, Brian Hayes played for both West Virginia teams. Um, he played for the Black Bears while they were still, like, low-A affiliate. Now they're, like, a draft league. They're getting college guys. Like, heck, Grant Hussey played for them last summer. So yeah, they're not yeah. getting those guys anymore. Key Brian Hayes got to play for the Black Bears uh, before they got relegated, if you will.
1: So the last thing I want to talk about is some, um, some movement, I guess, in f- I don't want to say free agency, but some movement around the league, specifically rookie Jordan Walker for the St. Louis Cardinals being optioned to AAA. And I've got a lot to say about this, I think, um, because... are better. You're a Cardinals fan. I mean, of course, but <laughs> they're bringing up Taylor Motter, who's been, yeah. for lack of a better term, pretty average for the Cardinals this season. So uh, I want to get your guys' opinion first before I go into any type of <laughs> topics. But, I mean, Jordan Walker, he, he's been pretty poor on defense. I mean, he's playing a new position in right field, something he's not used to. We talked about this before. But he's still batting 274 in the season. He has the same amount of strikeouts as hits as at 20. So it's just it's a weird situation, you know, the uh, infielders, Modder plays infield and outfield, he can play both, but um, the Cardinals have just been poor, I mean, nineteen sixteen, 16 and uh, now moving Jordan Walker down, I guess, maybe it's a notion from the franchise saying, hey, you need a little more time. I mean, uh, what are your guys' opinion on that?
0: Well, I mean, <coughs> it was kind of a surprise to me when we, we were actually driving to the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, we were driving and yesterday we, to the game. We found that out, and, and I was a little um, frustrated to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, But, it's just like, you know, he was hitting well. We know that. He was tearing it up at one point. And that like big hit streak, too. <clears throat> yeah, 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 the hit streak. Yeah. And then, um, like you said, the defense hasn't been great, but you people have to remember that he's a rookie, and it's not all the time where you're going to have <clears throat> like a Julio Rodriguez who just automatically, you know, his rookie year is just, you know, this amazing baseball player. It's not going to be like that. You're – it's – Actually, kind of rare that you see that. So, um, maybe he needs the time. I don't know. Maybe if this wasn't a good move, but you guys are, you know, like you said, nine and what eight? Nine and, and sixteen. Nine and sixteen. I don't know. Personally, I think you just keep him up at that point. Y- you I know, I mean, it's not like uh, yeah. I, I I really don't understand that. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't that, either. That was very confusing. There. Yeah.
2: I don't I don't really understand it either. But you know, if they send him down and he gets a little bit more work in right field. Um, you know, maybe that their staff in, what is it? Are they the Springfield Cardinals?
1: Springfield Cardinals mm-hmm. in Maybe Illinois. their
2: staff, I mean, I'm sure he's been with them before. Maybe their staff can work with them, wi- with him a little bit more in that right field role. Um, but like he's hitting 274. I, I personally wouldn't have done it. Um, but if he goes down there, gets work, shows improvement. Um, and as long as they don't keep them, keep him down for too long, which I don't think they will. Um, I think. It, it won't be that big of a deal and i i think we'll forget about it later on um, but if he's sitting yeah. down there for weeks on in weeks and and you guys are still losing um and and not gaining any ground in the in the nL central then i, I do think it'll be a bad move um i i feel like i feel like they should be alternating I know Aaron Otto is the best defender in the game, but like, there's games every now and then, every sixth or seventh game, whatever, that he needs a break. Mm-hmm. Taylor Motter should not be playing third that day. No. Give it to Jordan Walker because he's a natural third baseman. Why not? Um, yeah, and if that. he's so bad in the in the field, but you know what you're going to get at the plate, you know there's so much talent there, and he's already shown that he can do it, um, then DH him. And you guys
0: need the hitters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, you guys don't have a good record. I mean, you need someone who can get you hits, and that's you know, now you don't have that because you will be in AAA. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. You know, I, 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 um, I browse Cardinals Twitter, which is a funny and uh, negative thing to see, especially when they're losing so many yeah. games last night. And, and, uh, earlier today I looked through and I saw, well, maybe one of the most outrageous takes I've seen all season. Um, somebody said, you just need to dump him talking about Jordan Walker, uh, on Twitter today. And I was just like, I mean, you can't be serious. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't reply to people on Twitter. That's just, you're asking for trouble. But, um, With this situation, a lot of Cardinals fans seem to be on the same train of he needs more work. He needs more time uh, in the minors. They might have moved him up a little too quick. We don't know. But he definitely deserves more time down the minors to work, especially like Aaron said, in right field. He needs that time in right field because they moved him up to the majors and threw him in right field, and he kind of hadn't done it before, or not a lot at least. So, uh, yeah, it's it's tough for the Cardinals right now, you know we got to trade for a pitcher i think you have you, you got to get a star uh, an ace at, at the pitcher spot i mean Michael's has been awful uh you got to you got to make some moves in the bullpen and in the, in the pitching cuz that has been just really taking you out of games talking about the cardinals so
2: yeah i wonder who they, who they would be willing to give up um it, it's still early so like front offices are probably going to want to ride it out a little no no way. longer. Yeah. No but you know, if you guys are still underachieving near the deadline. That's what I was meaning. Near yeah, the deadline. Yeah. I'm sure there, there's gonna be moves um, that they want to make. I was just I would just wonder who they would be willing to give up. Like last year they gave up Bader for Montgomery. Um so would they be willing to give up a guy like Tommy Edmond or or his new bar or oh, somebody geez, like I hope that. not. <laughs> I would you know or you know I, I just like there's not me- there's not a whole lot of players like Goldschmidt's not going to be on the table. is not going to be on the table. Walker is not going to be on the table. So maybe like
1: Mason Wynn or some of those Mason other. Mason Win is,
2: is too highly regarded. Yeah. He's not he's not going to be on the table either unless it's some big big time blockbuster trade.
1: Maybe okay. Nolan Gorman. Yeah, he's, I mean, would you be? I wouldn't want to trade him. He's become an stu- everyday starter now. He's
2: still very highly regarded. Yeah. Um, I would imagine he would be off the block too. So who are you willing to give up? Um, if that were to happen, it, it's it's just a I good little conversation piece. I
0: mean, this might sound ridiculous, and it might it might, <laughs> but why not go after Madison Bumgarner? Now I know he's been bad or whatnot, but sometimes he a just person got DFA'd, needs. So. I know he just got DFA'd, but yeah, so. sometimes all you need is a little change of scenery. And um, if he starts playing well for you guys, you don't have to keep him at all. But you know, you could probably get some good prospects out of him if he turns out. To play well for you guys, but I mean, at this point, why not?
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think somebody like uh, (coughs) Dylan Carlson. I mean, I think I've uh, browsing through Cardinals Twitter once again. A lot of people are like Dylan Carlson needs to be on the block. Uh, He hasn't been playing well, um, and I think he's on the block. If you think about trade deadline later in the season, especially if he keeps playing poor like he has, and I think
2: that's somebody you could deal for a pitcher, maybe. But I mean, he's still young too. He's young. Yeah, he's got some pop, but I understand your point. I mean, uh, I mean. You haven't even seen what you got out of win. He's a top whatever exactly, top ten prospect. Yeah. He won't be on the block at all, if I had to guess. Um, it's
1: it's kind of so like your a, sh- a short term sacrifice for a long term gain. You kind of got to balance those. Yeah, it's, it's so really hard. Tough, I mean, yeah. you
2: you've seen teams kind of get fleeced um, for for rentals. I mean, yeah, if you look like at the Mets a year or two ago, they sent um, they they got Javier Baez for half of a season, and he was pretty good for them. But like they didn't do anything with it. You got like that's your window to win. If you're giving up guys, like, they gave up. Well, how's good that he didn't stay now? Well, they gave we up Pete that. Crow Armstrong, who is a huge prospect. He's absolutely tearing yeah, it up that, in AAA. Okay. That's a good and, point. Yeah. And the Cubs are going to get something with him. And they got mm-hmm. other guys, too. But, like, you're, you're talking about Pete Crow Armstrong, who, when the Mets traded him, they knew the potential he had. He wasn't some guy that's just kind of, like, rose above, you know, the minors, like, you know, out of nowhere. Like, they knew what they were getting out of him. Um, obviously he could still be a bus, but like he's got so much talent and he's tearing it up. He's going to be in the majors in a short period of time, but you're trading that away for a rental. So you better get it right yeah. during that last half of the season. The best example I can think of is, um, is the Cubs in 2016. They gave up, um, Glaber Torres, right? Yeah. The chat deal for, um, for a roller Yep. Um, and maybe somebody else, right?
0: Yeah, I think maybe one other person was they in gave a, I, I don't remember, they but gave I know up, that he was, that yeah. was part
2: of it. They gave up Torres, who was one of their top prospects, um, and they gave up Aoi Jimenez in another deal, um, but they got Chapman for half of a year, so you better get it right, and they ended up getting it right. He was a big part of their success, and they won the World Series, yep. but more often than not, that success is just not there. I mean, this one is kind of kind of random because he... Um, I don't think the, the White Sox knew what they had, but they traded Fernando Tatis when he was, like, 18 or 19 for James Shields. Like James Shields is, I mean, in his prime, he was a, a good pitcher, maybe, a good pitcher, but he was not in his prime when that trade was made. Um, so you got to be really careful trading top prospects for rentals. And I guess
1: th- I, we're talking hypotheticals because, like, like we said in the last uh, podcast, there's a lot of time. The, the season's young still. We're only just over 20 games in for, some th- for most teams, or oh, just over 25 games for most teams. And there's still plenty of time. I, I, I just think that when you're losing series, especially ones at home, uh, that it, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for the Cardinals. Um, you know, just from a, a season perspective. You know, because you start getting behind, and then, as I say in sports, you start pressing. You're like, we need to win, mm-hmm. we need to win. So, and a lot of fans are gonna be pressing. I mean, I've seen it on Twitter. Fans are pressing the Cardinals. Uh, you need to start winning games, or. This guy needs to get fired. The GM needs to get fired. This guy needs to get fired. Fire all the coaches. Like people get crazy like that on Twitter. And, you know, you just gotta you gotta give it time, of course. So there's still um so before we get into our fun topic of the day, I'm gonna switch gears here and we'll get into our awards. Because I thought that might be better to do our awards before we do our fun topic. Yeah, I which like is that. Sounds a nice little a nice little surprise that we have for everyone out there, our <laughs> listeners at the end of the show. But before that we will get into our weekly MLB awards and actually this week's awards. We have two weeks to base it off of since we missed last week. So we got a lot of great picks. I'm 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 excited to see what you guys got. So Tyler, you wanna? We'll start out with Golden Arm Award. This yeah. is for our week's best pitcher. I guess in this situation, two weeks best pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you got? Well, I, I actually I think I have the same as you, but maybe not. Sorry, I don't. Hopefully, I'm, I didn't give it away. <laughs> I picked a closing pitcher. Oh, I forgot you changed
0: it. I changed. Never it, mind. Yeah, We're yeah here. you're good. Go ahead. Um, no, I picked Zach Allen. Um, he's been absolutely lights out you have and to pick him. you have to pick him and his first two starts of the year, he got rocked around a little bit. Um, but every, I don't think, what was it? April 4th was his last time he gave up an earned run. And since then he's been, um, just, you know, striking people out left and right. He's got a lot of straight scoreless yeah, innings 20, for him. And yeah. he did that last year. I, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but he had a streak of scoreless innings as well. Um, But, you know, he's got uh, a lot of movement in his pitches. His fastball, it doesn't, you know, it's not, you know, one of those ninety nine mile per hour pitches. It's a mid, you know, nineties, but it's got a lot of movement and, um, it's been working for him. And, um, also, fun fact, he is from New Jersey. Of course, he is. of course. So, he is. um, that's we ha- we awesome. Have to, to get see in,
1: too. Every episode, we have to get in West Virginia <laughs> Power and we have to get in, um, someone from New Jersey. Yeah. Every episode. Well, I, already every thru- episode. I already threw out, uh, WV yeah. Wedge Good. and Kevin Brophy. Yeah. So, <laughs> we could do this all day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: True. But, um, no, he's a, I couldn't think of a better person to give this to. Um, he's been just absolutely dominant.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a great pick. Um, you know, I wanted to go Gallon as well. Um, but on this, on this episode, uh, on this show in general, we kind of, Aim to to get different players and different team for the Bright Lights Award, if possible. Um, so I wanted to go Gallon, but I'm going to go with the next best thing and go Spencer Strider. Um, I know we picked him on the last episode, but I don't care. I mean, we've missed. <laughs> He's this done is, so well. Yeah, I mean, we missed the week. It's hard not to pick him. It's been two or three yeah. weeks since that. Um, 3-0 on the season with a 180 ERA. 0.83 whip. I mean, look at his last two starts. Um, and that that's the time that we've missed over the last week or two. 14 innings pitched. Three hits in those two outings in 14 innings. No earned runs in those outings. 22 strikeouts. And obviously, we've already kind of talked about it. He had a perfect game through six. Olson made an error. Still a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. Eight innings pitched against the Miami Marlins. Two hits, no runs given up, and 13 strikeouts. And the start before that was at San Diego. I mean, I know they're underachieving a little bit, but the star-studded lineup with Soto and Machado and Bogarts and, and you got other guys like Cronenworth and Hassan Kim, Six innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, and nine strikeouts against the Padres. Yeah. So give me Strider, um, and man, he is—he's taken a, a kind of a stranglehold of that ace spot for the Braves. They have other guys um, like Kyle Wright, and they, you know Mike Soroka's been Max hurt. Fried is still hurt. Max Fried is still hurt. Mike Soroka's been hurt for two years, and he's about to come back. He was their ace for a little portion two or three years ago. Um, he's kind of taken the reins. Um, in that role, and I know it's still early, but I would love to see a Zach Gallon, Spencer Strider, oh, wow. uh, kind of season-long battle for the NL yeah, Cy Young. Cool. Um, I hope I hope nobody else kind of takes that role. I mean, I like some of the veteran pitchers, but we've how many times have we seen, you know, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and Justin mm-hmm. Verlander do it? And I love all those guys, but I kind of want to see the young guys go at it with with Strider and Gallen and hopefully they can continue that success.
1: So those are two great picks. I mean, those are the two easy picks for this award. But I decided to go in a different direction. I'm picking the first ever closing pitcher on the Dirty or podcast for my Golden Arm award, and it is the Phillies' closer, Jose Alvarado. Uh, Just in his last six appearances, he's pitched one inning per appearance, six innings total, and he's had nine strikeouts. He's been commanding the end of these games for the Phillies. They're, They're still struggling in the record category, but he has four saves, no earned runs, and only three hits over the last six appearances. So he's just been absolutely locked down. For the Phillies, and um, he's been an important part of my fantasy team as well. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't mention fantasy for every point here, but uh, he's definitely been a big part of my team, and he's done great for the Phillies, really locking up that closure spot. And, you know, he has to. What's the other name of that closer for the Phillies? I, I have his name on the tip of my tongue right now. Um, um, I'll get that to you in a minute. Um, Craig Kimbrell. Yes, Craig Kimbrell. Yes. I, I keep
2: forgetting he's a Philly. I yes, keep, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. He's getting kind of washed, but he's still not terrible. He's yeah, st- it's, still not bad. So
1: he's kind of taken over that spot, and I think he's been really the best closer for them, especially in this last stretch. So uh, next we'll move into our Wheelhouse Award, which is for our best batter of the week. Uh, Tyler, I'll let you go first. Go ahead.
0: Um, this is my back. Well, I'll say back-to-back because we missed a week, but back-to-back shows, we're going to pick a Met. And that's gonna be Brandon Nimmo.
1: Shout out to Mark Prusina.
0: Yeah, I know he got. That's my dad. He got mad at us because <laughs> the first show we'd never mention the Mets, and you know, anyway, he uh, <laughs> he's the kind of guy that um, I think any team would be happy to have him on. You know, the the past fifteen games or so, he's been hitting over four hundred, which is crazy. Um, but on top of that, he's just the kind of guy that hustles. Like I don't know if you've ever seen, but when he gets a walk. He doesn't, like, jog down the base. Like, he full-out sprints. Yeah, I've seen that. I, and it might look gimmicky or blah, 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 or whatever. Uh, but it, it's just the kind of guy he is. He hustles all the time. He's a great defender. But um, he's seeing the ball right now very well. And the Mets are pretty sure they're sitting at second place in the NL East. You know, they got 14 wins or something like that. It's not the greatest record right now. But um, overall, he's definitely been one of their best players in the lineup um, these past couple of weeks. And... um. Uh, th- they also over the off season they locked him down for like eight years or something like that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I thought I was, uh, you know, that might have been a little much for like 162 million bucks. To be fair? They have the money. They do have the money now, <laughs> and um, I think it's worth it. Um, he'll be good for a very, very long time to come.
2: Yeah. yeah. So for my wheelhouse, I'm gonna go with maybe somebody who doesn't, you know, break the headlines every single time. Um, maybe maybe there's a couple guys that I bypassed that had maybe a little bit better stats, but I think this guy deserves some spotlight. Nico Horner, uh, I know he's a member oh, of yeah. your fantasy Land team. Oh yeah, Landa Freeman member. Okay, Let's go, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, right. you have a good team. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, but yeah, Nico
1: Horner's kind of been on a splash. But go ahead. Nico Horner,
2: I mean, he's batting three forty on the season. He's a very good average hitter, um, and that's what I read up on him before he made his debut. Um, you know, didn't watch much of him last year, but he's hitting three forty right now. Last seven days, man, nine hits, two home runs. He hit one against the Dodgers when Smiley had a near-perfect game. 11 RBIs in the last seven days, a steal, and, man, this guy does not strike out. One strikeout in the last seven days with all those other stats. Um, He doesn't punch out, which is rare in today's game. Um, He holds it down at, what, second base for the Cubs? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I like him a lot, and I just, I don't know, I haven't seen him bust into the headlines or, you know, the 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 front page or anything like that, and I think he deserves a little bit of credit. Yeah, well It, it, it took too. him a little bit to
0: get going because he's been w- with the Cubs, I'm pretty sure his whole career, you know, in the minors and whatnot, but um, this really is kind of, it seems like it's turning out to be a breakout year for him, so
1: that's cool. So I'm picking for my Wheelhouse Award another Chicago Cub, and that is Cody Bellinger. He's someone who's <laughs> broke the headlines, of course, winning the MVP just a few years ago. And in this last 15-day stretch, his stats have been very good. Maybe not even, uh, maybe a little better or maybe just as good as Nico Horner, but he's batting 368 14 hits, three home runs, six RBIs, and a 1.178 OPS. Uh, and, you know, only six strikeouts over the last 15 days, which if you equate that r- to a ratio, I mean, that's not bad. 15 games, six strikeouts. Especially for bad, Cody Bellinger. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because, I mean, he nearly got booed out of Dodger yeah. Stadium last season. So. Yeah,
2: that's, over the last couple of years, man, he's kind of, um, he's got a great swing, but he's he's become a K burger at sometimes. I mean, yeah. he, he strikes out a lot. And so I, I, I think your point there six strikeouts um, in the last, what, 15 games? 15 that's, games. That's yeah. not bad for him. That's yeah. not bad at all, especially if he's putting balls over the wall.
1: Yeah, definitely. And he's had a great stretch. The Cubs are three games over 500 at 13 and 10, and they're third in the division, the NL Central. So I think he's been a big part of that. So Cody Bellinger is my wheelhouse award. And now we'll move on to our final award. Which is the bright bright lights award, which goes to the best team every week that we pick here. And Tyler, go ahead. Who do you got? Bright lights.
0: Um, I'm I'm not gonna like saying it, and I have nothing against the team. It's just they are in the AL East. I'm a Yankees fan, so <laughs> you know. Um, but they are playing. I'm picking an NL well. Central team. All, All right, right there you go. for the viewers. Um, th- I'm picking the Orioles, and uh, this pa- these past two weeks, the name of the game for them has been their pitching. I mean, they're ten and two. Um. And their opponent batting average is just over the Mendoza line. And if you don't know what that is, um, what was his first name, man? Manny, right? Um, Manny Mendoza.
2: No, no, Mario Mendoza. Ma-
0: Mario Mendoza. He played in the majors, and basically the whole thing is that his entire career, he two hundred is the Mendoza line. That was basically his batting average. It was either below two hundred or two hundred and. Um, that's where they're keeping the warriors are keeping their opponent's batting average, so they're not getting a lot of hits, they're not getting a lot of runs, and you can credit Kyle Gibson and Tyler Wells to a lot of that success. And then on top of that, they're hitting hasn't been you know the best in the league or the best in the AL, but it hasn't been terrible at all. You know Cedric Mullins and um, uh, Jorge Mateo, you know they're all uh, it's all right now a well-oiled machine. But these past couple weeks, it hands down has been the pitching for them. That's been working the best
2: i like that mention of mario mendoza um yeah. <laughs> charleston charlies legend oh, yeah. mario well, mendoza. who the heck are the charleston charlies <laughs> what the in the world are we talking about hey, that that was charleston's triple a affiliate in the 70s <laughs> with the pirates that's D- crazy I mean, man D- dave parker played there you're a walking um, encyclopedia sometimes. i know well i mean charleston baseball uh, for my whole childhood was low a mm-hmm. and teams like the alley cats. I think they were triple a for a little bit, but they were mostly low a. So the Charlies, I mean, they moved up to triple a for a little bit. Um, I have heard that that Mendoza guy like can't stand that whole reference and how, how big that became that he is the, the butt of the I joke. I don't blame him. Honestly, I, mean, I, I don't know. Kind of I was of that joke. Yeah, I don't you know. either, but I mean, <laughs> people know he's a major league player because of that. So, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I like that mention. Um, For me, a Boston Red Sox fan, I'm also going to go in division. Um, I like that Orioles pick, especially because I like how young and talented they are. But I'm going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays in a division with the 20 and 5 Rays. You know, the Red Sox have talent, the Yankees have so much talent. They are above um, the Red Sox and the Yankees. They're not, you know, they're still on the heels of the Rays, but they are 16 and 9 on the season. They've won four of their last five, they just swept um, the White Sox. and the reason I'm picking them is not I'm not big on the White Sox. So the sweep isn't as impressive as winning a series at Yankee Stadium, uh, winning a series against the Rays when the Rays had not lost a series um, all season. So I like them. They are very good at the play. I mean, Bo Bichette, he's batting 340, five home runs, 15 ribbies. Matt Chapman, he was my wheelhouse award um, the last time we did this, three five homers, 18 ribbies. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 333, 5 homers, 15 RBIs. Very balanced attack there. And you have contact guys who are also stepping up to the plate. And, you know, they're not putting the ball over the fence, but Kevin Kiermeyer, new addition from the Rays, 299 with 8 ribbies. Whit Merrifield, 313 with 10 ribbies. So I like what you get out of them. And if you look at the pitching, I mean, obviously, Manoa was your ace last year. He struggled a little bit this year. Um, but, I mean, this is the bright lights award. Alec Manoa loves the lights of Yankee <laughs> Stadium. He, he does. never gets rocked by the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He goes to New York. He's been bad to start the season. Seven innings pitched, no earned runs, only two hits, and five strikeouts. So I like what I saw out of him. He loves the pitch against the Yankees. Kevin Gossman's been good as well with a 284 ERA. And you say Kikuchi's been good. I mean, Kikuchi was batting practice last year. <laughs> he was not good at all. Um, he was an all star the year before with the Mariners. And he's, he's kind of showing that a little bit with a 4-0 record, 28 strikeouts on the year, and a 3-0 ERA. Um, so if they keep about keep up that balanced attack of hitting and pitching, I could see them bypassing Baltimore um, and start getting on the heels of Tampa Bay once they start losing a little bit more consistently.
1: That's a great pick, and I definitely agree with that. But I'm going a different direction because I'm going with NO Central rival, the Pittsburgh Pirates, for my Bright Lights Award. Might be a little bit of recency bias, guys, because we just watched them yesterday <laughs> win. No, it's a good pick. They they did win today as well, so mm-hmm. now they're up to 18 and 8. They just won six to two over the Dodgers they b- today. W- they won the series too. They won so the series, series as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you know, I want to talk about their most recent games because it's been really impressive. They won two out of four in St. Louis against the Cardinals, which of course we talked about their struggles, but those are still quality wins. Won seven straight against the Rockies and Reds, which are both bottom feeder squads most time most times, but those are still seven straight games. And then they just won a 2-1 series over the Dodgers to make it 18-8. And And they're leading the division. They've been, over the last 15 days, they've had three players batting over 280. And all their starting pitchers have under a three-year ERA as of right now. I haven't checked since the game finished up today. Mm -hmm. But it's been a great season for them. I mean, we've talked about how they're usually a bottom feeder squad. And they're one of those teams that, excuse me, that you're going to expect to not make the playoffs, uh, pick high in the draft. And now they're having t- their 10 wins over 500. And I think that's really impressive for them. Even if it's just early in the season, and it doesn't pan out. It's still really impressive because in the last 15 days as well, they've led the MOB and batting average at 283. And I think that's really important because you've got a guy like Reynolds locked up and you've had a lot of, they have a lot of young talent. I mean, Jack Sawinski, uh, Connor Joe is not young talent, but, Him as well, and the G1 Bay. They have a lot of guys that can hit the ball well, and we saw that yesterday. And they get another win today to go up to 18-8. I'm I'm impressed to see the squad so far, and I'm I'm looking forward to see how they finish out the year. But um, yeah, so that's all of our awards. So now we're gonna move into our a little bit of fun topic we got today, and we decided to switch it up. I saw a video on Instagram of a couple of guys. I'm not sure if it was on a podcast or they were just doing it for fun in their living room. It, but it looked like a podcast. It looked I mean, like a had podcast. They the mics and everything. I, right? I, I'm sorry. I can't give credit to them right now. I, <laughs> did, I did not write down the name, but it was a podcast and they decided to draft their top five favorite jerseys. in, And, you know, in honor of the NFL draft tonight at 8 p.m., make sure you tune in to the United to the Moose draft show if you can. They are starting um, tonight. Uh, well, this won't come out in time. So never mind. That 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 promo was for <laughs> nothing. Uh, this Because this will come out tomorrow morning. But um yeah the the in honor of the NFL draft tonight us three are going to draft our top 5 MLB current jerseys that's a hint to a later segment we may have and you know let, let's just get started I, i'm going to go so how we'll do this is uh you know we can do a random number see who goes first or wheel let's let's do that real quick hold on um so we're going to do a wheel with all of our names on it and i am going to uh, and then we're going to pick, so, um, we're going to pick jerseys and then we will see.
2: So let me write this down real quick. Current um, jerseys. No current thru- jerseys. No throwbacks, yes. no vintage jerseys from, you know, the 1950s or 60s. We're going to go current, yep. home whites, uh, grays and alternates. And I that's what we're limited I'm to. I'm, I'm,
0: I might, with this question, give away one of my, uh, picks, but I just want to make sure that this meets the requirements. The, my opinion is no doesn't. set rules here, Tyler, but but to the the Mets black the uniforms, those aren't throwbacks, right? No. I mean, those those count, those. Right?
2: No, they're not. They wore they wore black in the Piazza days. Yeah. I think they wore black with Mets across. I mm-hmm. know they wore that as a batting practice. Uh, and then they wore black as a road alternate that said New York. Um, but this is a different jersey. Mm-hmm. I, I say that's just an alternate. I don't think it's a throwback.
1: Okay. Alright, so after we've spun the wheel to see who go first, Tyler has earned the oh. first overall pick in so the Dirty Jersey Podcast <laughs> jersey draft. That's funny. That I just made that up on the spot. There we go. So Tyler, go ahead. What jersey do you got? And we'll go one through five in order. Um mm-hmm. but we'll go left to right since I mean okay. that's only fair. So yeah. we'll go Tyler to my right and then Aaron to his left and then back to me and we'll go one through five in order. So it's just like a draft. So go okay. ahead, Tyler.
0: Well, I'm I'm picking a baby blue jersey and it's not a Cardinals. I think the best baby blue jersey in baseball are the Texas Rangers, hands mm. down. Um, okay. I, I think I actually didn't have them on here. I know. I I, I think it's a jersey a, a jersey that a lot of people forget about. But you know, um, all all baby blue jerseys look good. But I just think on top of the baby blue and the um the the font that they use with the script Rangers. It really is a good-looking I forgot jersey. they had
1: Script Rangers on the front. That that does that yeah. one is good.
0: Yeah. No, it really is a well-put-together jersey. Very so nice pick. That's my that's Make sure you write down pick
1: your pick so we don't forget who <laughs> gotcha. we got. Okay. And uh, uh, So now Aaron will have his first overall pick of the draft.
2: Go I'm ahead. sure I'm going to take it from you, but this is the obvious pick. This is the best uniform in sports, in my opinion. The baby blue. I'm a big baby blue guy. I mean, I'm rocking the Jays right now, but I'm going to go Cardinals. Um, it's just a beautiful jersey. The baby blue with the baby blue, pl- baby blue pants. Red piping down the side. The stitching is immaculate on St. Louis. I love the logo of the bat coming out with the two red birds um, and good stitching sitting on them. That's why I like the two-lane baseball uniforms. They have that bat coming out, and they have some, somebody sitting on that bat or, or a logo sitting on that bat. So I love the Cardinals jersey. Um, they, wore, they wore blue in the 80s, but it's a different jersey. Uh, they kind of paid homage to it, but it's not a true throwback. Mm-hmm. Um, they made it 10 times better than the Cardinals' blue jersey of the 80s and 70s whenever they wore it. Um, I think it's the best look in all of sports.
1: You know, I agree with that. And, you know, now that you took that off of my board, I feel like there's – I have a couple decisions here. I'm deciding between two Blue Jays jerseys, actually. And I think I'm going to go – we talked about this earlier, and this does apply to the rules. I'm going to go with the Blue Jays Canada Day alternate, the red – Canada Day yeah, jerseys with the awesome. matching red hats, of Good course. Pick. can't forget the hats. Yeah. So that would be my first pick. And, you know, in honor of the Dirty Jersey podcast, I, I'm glad that I got the best jersey on the board. Ooh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. The, the Cardinals <laughs> are up there, but I love the red Blue Jays. I mean, I know they're called the Blue Jays, so the blue is, of course, iconic. And I was considering the baby blue,
2: the well, one that Aaron's wearing here in the studio. Well, they don't wear that one very much. I, don't. I, you, could, you could call that maybe a sweeper pick. Um, and they wear that the maple leaf on the hat, which they don't do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So th- that's a good pick. I, I think maybe that wasn't on me and Tyler's boards. So it's it, a it's a little. There's some surprise. on my board that you guys are gonna pass. So we'll get there. All right, go
1: ahead, Tyler. Pick number two for Tyler.
0: Um, I the pick number two. Hmm, I'd probably have to go with the Phillies white pinstripes. It's a okay. uh, it's a very clean look. I'm red is my favorite color. So when you mix it up with, you know, the red with the pinstripes, it's, it works very well. And I think it's a very iconic look as well. Um, you know, I'm surprised Yankees didn't
1: come off the board here. I know. The jersey ma- stinks. Ma- stinks. Ma- maybe
0: later. <laughs> I I was trying to – I understand why you guys say it stinks. It's not like the most – when you look at it, it's – not the most eye-catching or whatnot, but I, I view it as, like, a historical, you know, significance.
1: I mean, we talked and about this earlier. Uh, <coughs> the historical significance is there. I just think it's a bland jersey. Yeah, so. and but I understand that. You look at it, and it's like, this is iconic, of yes, course. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think I'm basing these. Right now, I'll base these off
0: of looks, and I think the their, uh, their white pinstripe, the Phillies one, that's a very very
2: nice-looking All right, jersey. Aaron, who you got? Pick number two. So I'm going to go with a home jersey. A lot of home jerseys are are kind of bland. I think a lot of these jerseys that we're going to pick are alternates. But I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves home white. Um, That was on TV today. That that jersey was beautiful. I think it's by far the best home jersey. Um, And you could argue – I could argue that it's better than the Cardinals maybe. Like it's right up there. The stitching is very, very big on the Braves. And the tomahawk is just beautiful. Beautiful look. Um, And then they have piping that's three-colored. They go navy blue, red, and then navy blue again. Um, It's an iconic look. They've worn it for years. Um, But if you were to order an authentic of that jersey – the quality of stitching on that would be unbelievable compared to some other oh, ones yeah. because there's a lot of a lot of the road grays and home whites. Um, some of them are a little bland. The Miami Marlins, um, just off the top of my head, L- let me think of another bland one. Um,
1: New York Yankees, the,
2: the Guardians. My gosh. <laughs> well, the, I, I well, get, the Guardians are bad. As the Red <laughs> Sox fan, I understand <laughs> the point. TV. I understand the point of the you know iconic pinstripes, but there's so many bland white yeah. jerseys, and the Braves just are not like that at all. So I'm going to go with a home white there.
1: So I'm actually going with another Braves jersey right back to back here. I'm going with the blue Atlanta with the, uh, um, ax on the bottom. And I think that's a a clean look, you know, dark Navy blue looks good in all sports. And I think the Braves do Navy blue better than anybody. And it's just a great look. I don't really have much else to say. It's just a clean Jersey. And it's definitely one I want to add to my collection eventually, but that's going to be my number two pick. So, uh, Tyler, what do you got for number three? Uh
0: I'd have to go with the Mariners teal jerseys. That was oh. on my board. <laughs> I didn't even have that on my board. <laughs> that was yeah. on my board. Yeah, that, um, no, that, that pretty uh, – for baseball, if you know baseball, I mean, that is a pretty iconic jersey right there. Um, but well, on top of the teal and the whole Mariners font um, is really good. And I'm not quite sure what um, – I think it's behind the M. It's like a star. I'm not. I'm not quite sure exactly. It's more like a compass. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Just it's overall, it looks well and it fits with the name. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my third three by
1: the way. That is a a steal. steal. (laughs) That is a steal. (laughs) All right, go ahead, Aaron. What do you got at three?
2: (laughs) Mm. Um, give me a second. I think, I think I'm gonna go with a City Connect here. Um, Okay. Because because it might be on your board. I'm not sure. So I, I want. I'm, I'm s- I
1: swear, if you pick what jersey I think you I'm to scrambling
2: play. a little bit here because I think it might go off the board. I'm going to go the Serpientes. Oh, okay. Arizona no, that's Diamondbacks. That's, that's a good really one. good one. Um, and I've heard that people don't like it, and it, that's confusing. They are there, they're I out understand. of their minds. Yeah. It's a beautiful color. I've been to Arizona. Uh, fortunate enough to go on a missions trip there in the summer of 2021. Um, it's a beautiful state, but it's very different than here. It's very dry. Um, I think they got that, that color perfect. Mm-hmm. And in their first year of introducing that, it was one of the first City Connects jerseys out, um, and it was that whatever color, sand or whatever you want to color, color, uh, call the color, and they wore it with white pants, and it looked really bad. Um, and now they have the matching pants with it, and it looks really good. Serpientes, I love it. There's a, a large population there in Arizona near Phoenix that is Spanish-speaking. Um, a lot of good people out there, and I love the snake feature on it. Snakes are yeah. my biggest fear. But at the same time, that's a very, very cool feature. Something that I don't know. There's been a lot of City Connect jerseys that I think have missed the mark. Um, and for me, the Serpientes is the standard. I have a dry fit Serpiente shirt, and it's my favorite shirt. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't. I don't care about the Diamondbacks, but I love that shirt. I love the logo. It's a good uniform overall.
1: You know, we ha- on the show we failed to mention the Texas Rangers' new uh, City Connect, and we, we don't have time for that right now. But that's it's. It's on it's,
2: it. it's something else for sure. Wait, yeah, man.
1: But I'll move on to my third pick, and I'm actually also going to go with the City Connect jersey. I'm going to go with the White Sox black South Side. That's a good one jersey. It's I just really like the one. black with the pinstripes. I mean, mm-hmm. um black on jerseys usually look pretty bad or good. Like you can make it bland or pop. And like the Orioles, they're black. They make it pop with the big Orioles logo. And I think the South Side, you know, embracing being South Side of Chicago is a great thing for the White Sox. So. Um, that jersey is, is awesome and that's also one I want to add in my collection so that would be my number three uh, Tyler you're on the number four go ahead
0: well I, I think the one I'm about to say is extremely underrated and if I had to put my money on it you guys probably didn't write this one down um, just because I said it was underrated Um, the Oakland A's green jerseys not the one with it says Ooh. A on it but the, the script Oakland yeah
1: yeah um, I know exactly what you mean th-
0: that is a really really good looking jersey and you know it's got the green base with the uh, the white script, and then I'm pretty sure the white has like a yellow outline. And on top of that, they have a real. Now I don't understand the story behind it or the history behind it, but they have a patch on the sleeve. It, it, I'm pretty sure it has like an elephant or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's um. But it's a it's a really well put together um jersey. That's my that's my number four thing.
2: Okay, so my number four. I thought was going to go off the board in the second round or something like that, but we've mentioned a lot of baby blue. So I guess we wanted to move on baby blue, Toronto blue Jays. I mean, I'm repping it.
1: I was hoping it'd make it to my next pick. <laughs> Dang it.
2: I, I can't, I can't let it go. Um, you know, a lot of jerseys in the MLB just kind of say the name. Um, and that that's kind of it. And this blue Jays says blue Jays, but then it's got a beautifully stitched actual blue Jay with the Toronto, not Toronto with the Canada, that's one of the
1: best stitched logos
2: I've seen on any jersey in any sport. It's I mean. truly amazing. It's it's a work of art. Um, that's why I like the Braves so much. It doesn't just say the Braves and they're done. It says Braves with a ginormous tomahawk. Yeah. That's got personality to it. I yeah. I don't like jerseys without personality. I think this one has a lot of personality. It goes well. It looks good in their new, the new dimensions of their stadium, um, and their hat that goes with it looks good because, that's an alternate and they wear. They wear this color on the on the bill, I think, and they wear a navy on the top of the hat. And I think it's just a uh, a good looking uniform. And I'm a sucker for uh, baby blue and baseball.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I of course love baby blue. All the excuse me, all the MLB baby blue jerseys look really good. And you know, Tyler, to your point on the video that we got inspiration of, one of those two guys actually picked the Oak, the same age jersey that you did. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I, picked, I did not know that. They picked really the green didn't. Oakland yeah. with yeah. the Oakland across the yeah. chest. But I think with my next pick, whew, this is tough. I'm be- I'm deciding between two Texas Rangers jerseys because I think they're some of the they're kind of underrated, honestly. And I think they're some of the better jerseys in baseball. But I think I'm gonna go with the red, the one that says Texas across the front with the blue, stri- red, white, and blue striping on the sleeves. Is that That's your good. second red jersey? That is my second nice. red jersey, actually. Okay. And there's not that many in baseball, is there? I mean, other than red teams, but I mean. Like yeah, red yeah, alternates. There, there's,
0: or there's only like a handful really yeah uh, but yeah it's, it, it's it's
1: a pretty basic jersey it just says Texas with the uh with no really other design but I think I just love the, how the red pops with all the other colors so uh, I'm going to go with the Rangers jersey the red uh what do you got for your final pick this is our last three picks what do you got Tyler
0: Well before I start I I had to look it up cuz I was curious with the uh, Oakland A's and their elephant logo yeah, apparently yeah. this dates back to their uh, owner Ben Shibe and apparently um he said that um, he had a white elephant on his hands, I guess, in terms of um, the kind of the team state and whatnot and um, how it kind of wasn't very marketable. So um, they kind of have that symbol as a uh, of pride and opportunity.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, I, I had no idea about know. the background of that.
0: I had to look that up. It was a huh. bugging me. But my last pick, um, I have to go. I said it already, but the Mets black. That's mm. such a cool jersey. Yeah, I'm he glad that they. Pick. Yeah, I'm glad they brought it back. And um, it is like Aaron said, it's a little different, but it works really well. They have the black base, and then around the white lettering with the Mets, they have hints of um, orange and blue in it, and it really pops out. And it's and then on top of that. They have the black helmets as well, which is really, really. The well only hello. thing
1: I dislike about the jersey, I guess you mm-hmm. can say the same thing for the jersey I just picked for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of other design. I guess like it just feels like it's just black with nets yeah. starting yeah. on the front. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I think it works out very, it works out really well. They don't it's wear
1: still it a nice enough.
2: jersey though.
0: They don't wear it enough. I never yeah, see it. Y- you're right, and um, I think they should uh, wear it a lot
2: more. But um,
0: I, that that is my last pick. So yeah, we were talking sorry. about
2: red jerseys. So I'm not going to pick them because I have a couple, Like I have one more. Um, but I like the Red Sox red and like the Atlanta Braves red is probably the most eye-catching one. Very nice but I'm not going to pick them because I already took their home white. I'm torn between two Um, Brewers Navy. It's a great look Navy blue, Milwaukee script, uh, cursive with the number yellow piping it it resembles WVU's blue jersey in a way. They got that uh, state of Wisconsin patch on Mm, the shoulder. I love that I'm torn between that one and the home whites of the Chicago Cubs. I think the, the Cubs the Cubs have such a That's rich classic. history history. I love the pinstripes. I love the cub patch on the side. I love the ginormous and it, that, uh, that
0: is a huge patch, yeah. by the way. The one in the front. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the front patch that says Cubs is amazing. Yeah.
2: The one with the bear on it on the arm is amazing. It looks good, especially with the with the Ivy in the background. So I, I think I'll take that um, as number five with Milwaukee as an alternate.
1: Wow. Okay, that was an unexpected pick for you, honestly. And I think you guys might roast me for this pick, but I'm going with the Colorado Rockies City Connect jersey with the green and the mountains. No, I know Tyler just gave me that look.
2: I yeah. don't. I don't mind that one. I think that's very creative. Uh, very creative. It's a little weird with the green, like. There's a lot of green, but hey, yeah. it's off their license plate. I think it's I think that's a good pick.
1: Yeah, based off their license plate, they get the green and you know the mountains in the background. I just love the look of the mountains right above the words Colorado. That just fits the the you know the theme of that state so well. And I like the font of the numbers and the look and the the. It's kind of like a it's a bright white. I mean, I know we talk about white uniforms, and of course you want them to be bright white, but I feel like. It kind of takes like if you think of snow tops on a mountain, mm-hmm. like when you see the mountains and then yeah. you see the white, it's just kind of it just kind of fits very well, and I I love the look, so that that's gonna be my final pick. I think it's kind of an underrated pick, something that probably neither of you would have thought of. But. I, I
0: I do think though, because the the original design was the green pants and the with the with the green pants kind of fading into the top with the mountains, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure they switched it up a little bit and they added white pants, and I think that looks. Like a hundred percent better, and I think that should have been the original one. Honestly, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah t- t- you, t- t- <laughs> you took so, the words right, yeah. right out of my mouth. Yeah. I was gonna mention. So, I am sorry about that. No, it's but, fine. But, um, That's a good point. Yeah, no. Uh, d- overall, it's a good jersey if they don't
2: wear the green
0: pants.
1: <laughs> I know that, that 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 was an unpopular pick, but I just love that. Yeah, City no, Connect. It's not the. It's not the-
2: yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. When I first saw it released, I was like, "Ew, like what is that?" But I really like the 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 design of the mountains. I don't hate the green pants. It's it's a little much. A little looks like Diamond Dynasty created uniform on MLB The <laughs> Show. But it's not terrible, but to Tyler's point, you throw the white pants on it, it doesn't look stupid like the Serpientes one with the Diamondbacks. So, I like it. I, I don't mind that pick at all.
1: Who do you got for your f- f- fifth and final pick? Oh, you already I, picked. I did. Yeah, we sorry. were the last one. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, that's all. You guys got anything else before we call today and uh-huh. get out of here?
0: Not, uh, not really. I mean, I enjoyed the uh, whole you know, ranking the jerseys and whatnot. I thought that was a brilliant idea. Yeah, I'm make glad sure, you stumbled uh, yeah. upon that. Um,
1: make sure any listeners out there comment on Instagram, give us your favorite jerseys, <laughs> whatever you may think, <laughs> yeah, you know? well, next yeah. up
2: needs to be vintage uniforms or, or throwbacks. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll get there. You, g- you yeah. got a big, uh, you got a large yeah. variety of uh, choices there. Yeah. I think that'll be fun too.
1: Yeah. See, we thought about making the draft today, all jerseys, including throwbacks. And that would have just been, that, that would have been a massive pool to pick from. Yeah. So, uh, I'm glad we found out this and I'm, I'm glad we got another episode of the dirty Jersey podcast. in. so, uh, uh, appreciate all you guys listening out there. Thank you to Alex Wiederspiel for getting us set up online. Nick Kraskas as well. As long as our sports director, Tanner Lambert, here at United to the Moose. My name is Zach Anderson. I've been your primary host, joined by co host
2: Tyler Priscina and Aaron Parker. Thank you, guys.
1: We appreciate you all for listening. We hope to see you next week.